The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Song, song of the south, sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind, there ain't nobody looking back again. Well, somebody told us Wall Street fell, but we were so poor that we couldn't tell. Cotton was short and the weeds were tall But Mr. Roosevelt are gonna save us all Well, Mama got sick and Daddy got down The county got the farm and they moved to town Papa got a job with a TVA He bought a washing machine and then a Chevrolet And so it is, we're on the same path Looking for a great future And now we find ourselves unsettled about the future. In this valley where we're located, where I live, and where Caritas is now located, community. When I first moved out here, there was one old man named Johnny Parker, and he talked about how things were here in the early 1900s and the late 1800s. He said there was a house on every little knoll in this whole valley, 
even a train track on top of the mountains that pulled the logs out. Sawmills, gristmills, everybody grew their crops. And World War II came along. And for the first time, people saw outside of the valley. In fact, when I moved out here, I had my company, and I had some people I employed out here. I took them downtown Birmingham, and they kept looking up through the front window of the truck, up. I said, what are you doing? They said, well, look at these buildings. We're only 30 minutes from Birmingham. I was shocked. They said, this is the only second time he'd been in Birmingham as one employee. And he was looking at the buildings. That's all they were. You may think that's backwards, but we're going forward toward a direction it's going to take us way backwards. But nevertheless, Johnny Parker talked about all the houses that were on these little knolls and what happened after World War II. Everybody had saw the tall buildings. They saw the industrialization. They saw all these things. And that gave an appetite. And it gave an appetite that you wanted a washing machine and a Chevrolet. Not necessarily bad things. But we took things hook on the sinker. I'm reading a new book right now called The Boys in the Boat by Daniel Brown. And he talks about the 1933 Olympics in which Hitler was defeated by the Americans. The story is an incredible story. I'm just still getting into the beginning of it. I've told you that you always have to be reading. You don't have to just read spiritual books. Sometimes you get the most spiritual lessons out of a secular book. Because we're heading in times that I said, I lay ourselves saying, read these books. Really? You might say. Yeah, she says, look around you, my dear poor children, at the signs of the times. So you read these things and you see things and you can understand the signs. If you're looking at it through biblical. So yes, the saints are good to read about. The Bible must be read every day. But to read history and learn from that is to avoid history's past in the present. And so in this book, it speaks about the, the, the Great Depression in 1929. It says, It was the fourth year of the Great Depression. One in four working Americans, 10 million people, had no job and no prospects for finding one. And only a quarter of them were receiving any kind of relief. Industrial production had fallen by half in those four years. At least one million, and perhaps as many as two million, were homeless, living on the streets or in shanty towns like Seattle's Hooverville. In many American towns, it was impossible to find a bank whose doors weren't permanently shuttered. Behind those doors, the savings of countless American families had disappeared forever. Nobody could say when... And if the hard times would ever end. And perhaps the worst of it, whether you're a banker or a baker, a homemaker or homeless, it was with you night and day a terrible, unrelenting uncertainty about the future, a feeling that the ground could drop out from underneath you at any moment for good. Alabama song of the South. Somebody told us Wall Street fell. We weren't so we were so poor we couldn't tell. Goes on to say, Mr. Roosevelt was going to save us all, which he did. He opened the doors of socialism. Some of the problems we have today. 
But just like here in this valley, everybody moved out when they saw they could make a wage and buy a washing machine and a Chevrolet. What happened was everybody abandoned the farms. They abandoned the land. And in 1929, they went into industrialization. Industrialization is not necessarily a good thing because we did it without God. We've got our roots. And they depended on that, on those things, and in the factories that is hooked to Wall Street, that when they fail, they fail. And High Cotton, another song by the group uh, Country Band Alabama, it says, We didn't know the times were lean. Round our house, the grass was green. It didn't seem like things were all that bad. And so he talks about the Depression years. Because they had an infrastructure based in the land and a grand way of life, and they stayed tied to it, and the grass didn't change color. That song, High Cotton goes on and says, As life went by, and the years went by, we saw the light in Daddy's eyes and felt the love in Mama's hands that kept us warm and kept us fed, taught us how to look ahead. Now, looking back, I understand. Do you understand what Arlie's saying? Reflect on your future. Look back in the past. And you'll understand that you can't not be dependent on industrialization. But that's not our danger today. The danger then was people moved off the farm into industrialization. And the danger for us, and they fell. And they were hungry. And it was difficult for years. But what happens to a people when they move from the farm or having some autonomy and getting their own food and the capability of having their own food? And I'm not talking about just storing food. I'm talking about a system where you are growing your food or you have some kind of management over your food. If you're a wealthy doctor or rich somebody for some whatever reason you made money that you buy a 1,000 acres or 500 acres and you put five or six families on this, how you grow the food, you live here free, you're my security. That's an investment. If I didn't do what I did and I had money, what I would do is buy me 500 to 1,000 acres and I'd be equipped and I'd, I'd screen out five or six, eight, ten fam- families with shared values, shared faith, build a little school, have a profit center, sell the excess of what you produce from your hay, your meat, your hogs, your pigs, whatever you got. But your security is if things fail, your grass will still be green. But what happened in 1929 that's different from today, my poor children, look at the signs of the times, is that not only did they go to industrialization and they didn't have anything to fall back on and they're on the streets, normal people, like many of you listening, will be on the streets. They were back then. You think it won't happen now? And we're homeless. People who had means, people who lost fortunes. We've talked about people working at Starbucks that were making six figures, two, three hundred thousand dollars a year. Because in 08, things changed. Now things seem to be better. It's false. It's a facade. It's a bounce. And you got to be watching that bouncing ball. Because God is allowing that for us to realize, hey, I need to build my ark underneath the mantle of Our Lady. She's the first place to go. She's holding our hands through, the, our hands through this. We felt the love, love of Mama's hands. They kept us warm and kept us fed. She wants us to be that. She doesn't want us to have to repent for what we could have done and didn't want to. 
We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to make means. We don't want to cut back and insure ourselves, self-insure. I'm not talking about Omaha or some other insurance company. You, God, you're insurer. It takes sacrifice. It takes planning. It takes thoughtfulness so that you can understand what you need to do. And so here it is in 1929. People end up in the industrial places and shanty towns with no means to feed themselves. No means that the, the, the ground fell right out from underneath them. But the thing I want to pose to you at this moment is what happens when you move from the land and a grand-based society, and you can have doctors in a grand-based society, you can have the lawyers, you can have everything, the scientists, you can have all that. George Washington Carver, which is somebody blacks should be looking up to instead of the models that they look up to, an incredible black man who didn't know the origins of the universe when he asked God, and God told him it's too big for you, ask for something else, then show me the, the origins of man. That's too big for you, God told him. He said, ask for something small. He said, well, give me the secrets of the peanut. He said, that's still way beyond you, but I'll do it. He invented 300 different things from peanut butter to the, to the, to the gin, cotton gin, everything based on the peanut. But he was based in he was a scientist and based in an agrarian way of life. So I don't think you're you, you, you we're saying you got to be a farmer. George Washington, do you look at him as that way? We talked about him last show. He managed. You had the means manage it. Those who need have needs you can meet help. Let them be part of helping you because that's your investment. But the point I want to drive home right now is in a grand-based society turned industrialization through industrialization has made that economy dependent on that. If it falls, they fall and they don't have nothing to go back to. But what happens when you go from a grand-based society to industrialization to technologicalization? You're three tiers away from the ground. And don't think those people who were industrial didn't go back but you can't step back from being in the technological technological world, the technologicalization of the cultures and societies around the world, and go back to the far. You got something in between you. You got the technologicalization. You got the industrialization, which builds those technologies, and then you got the grand based. I'm telling you, it's not going to be one million or or 10 million people out of work, it's going to affect everybody in a profound, devastating, destructive, bitter, bitter way. Think as a mother nursing a baby and you don't even have the nutrition to keep that baby alive. Mariana referred to that some of the things coming, she feels sorry for the children. Why is that? If you're reflective, you can reason it out. We've got history. Read Boys in the Boat. You've got to be educating yourself, not at the university, but your own library, your own personal library university. So here it is. We have somebody told us Wall Street fell. We were so poor we can tell. 
lot of people on farms didn't know, don't even know the times of lean. They ate. I know my brother was married to when he was married for his wife died. His in laws they they always had meat to eat. They always had food to eat. They grew their own garden. My wife's parents, grandparents, same way. You better start thinking like we talked about last metagenomics. And now we move from technologicalization to these power-hungry, puny people who didn't build anything, but who surrogate themselves and take over, take over your yards because they're into green things like bicycle tracks and bicycle trails and 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 intimate domain. And they rule over you. And they run over you. And they're doing this. And that's Jones Reed this week. This comes from Tom DeWeese, who started the American Policy Center. And he wrote this article entitled, Putting Bicycles Ahead of People. This is a story of raw power, collusion, and government corruption. A story that's taking place in countless towns all over America. A story of reinvented government where self-proclaimed private stakeholders and pressure groups set the rules. Local elected officials rubber stamp them and non-elected regional governments enforce them, sometimes with an iron fist, all with no input from citizens and apparently no rights for private citizens and property owners to stop them or even have a say. It's the story of the destruction of private property rights in America, of injustice and tyranny, of unaccountable government run amok. Jenny Granado is a taxpaying citizen of Montgomery County, Ohio. She and her family own a 165-year-old historic house and farm just outside of Dayton. They've lived there 40 years. On July 31st, Jenny's front yard was demolished thanks to local, county, and planning commission bureaucrats. The Miami Valley Regional Planning Commission has begun seizing people's private property for its latest essential project, a $5 million bike path extension. It has seized almost all of Jenny's front lawn. The bike path will come within just a few feet of her front door. Jenny and her family tried for over a year to negotiate and reason with this unelected planning commission. Unfortunately, their neighbors were advised by lawyers not to say anything publicly about the pending land grab, so the media viewed it as a non-story. The county and its appraisers kept stalling, saying they wanted a meeting with Jenny, even as they ignored her pleas and offered a pittance for taking her front yard and likely driving the value of her home down by tens of thousands of dollars. The meeting never came, and officials didn't even allow Jenny's uncle to speak at a hearing. But the bulldozers certainly came. Last week, with no warning, they just started demolishing trees. Jenny and her family still own the property, but the county has barged in, torn out their trees, and destroyed their front yard. They will never be able to walk out their front door again without worrying that they will be run over by bicyclists roaring by at 10 or 20 miles per hour just inches from their bottom step. The government trucks and bulldozers also precipitated an even worse tragedy. 
Jenny's 85-year-old mother became so upset over seeing the government's heavy machinery destroying her yard and favorite trees that she suffered a heart attack and died. Of course, the government refuses to accept any responsibility for this tragedy. It was just promoting the public welfare of the private stakeholders and pressure groups it works with. That, too, has become far too common. The government and these groups want more and more control over our lives, more power to tell us what we can and cannot do with our property and lives, but they accept no transparency and no accountability, responsibility or liability when their actions hurt or even kill someone, or when they destroy the property values, peace, and integrity of a home. The Miami Valley Regional Planning Commission is an unelected regional government force driven by federal sustainable development grant money. It never faces voters over its actions or positions of seemingly unbridled power. It simply deals with other government agencies, local, state, and federal, and with private groups like the American Planning Association, the ICLEI, Local Governments for Sustainability, and a horde of other organizations that represent false conservation and environmental interests, whose real motivation is money and the power to control our lives. They are stakeholders only in the sense that they want something and are holding the stakes that their government friends are driving through the heart of our constitutional rights. With the assistance of federal and state grant programs and willing politicians who see another way to build their own power and get elected over and over, they rule over us like unaccountable dictators. It's the same story in nearly every community in our nation. Neither Jenny nor any of her neighbors voted to institute the agency or its policies. There was no vote for this bike path. There was no referendum on the ballot to approve this project or the spending of their tax dollars. Yet the Miami Valley Regional Planning Commission imposed itself on privately owned property, giving the owner no say in the matter and giving her a pittance in exchange for the land it is taking away. Soon strangers on bikes will be crossing her land, passing within seven feet of her front door, and she fears there's nothing she can do about it. How does she secure her home? How can she ever hope to sell it? Who will compensate her for the loss of value now that her once lovely and private front lawn is gone? Certainly not the Miami Valley Regional Planning Commission. My American Policy Center has warned Americans over and over about the dangers of this fraud called sustainable development and the enforcement of top-down control through non-elected boards and regional governments. Here is that reality in all of its outrageous raw power. Jenny's neighbors, property right activists, and Tea Party leaders are joining forces to support her fight to stop this outrage. They have gathered at the property to protest and take the issue to news media and will do so again. To its credit, the media are finally starting to notice what is happening. But if that is the extent of it, you know full well that these government officials will simply laugh ignore the protests and news stories, wait for the attention to go away, and then grab someone else's property. That's why concerned citizens across the nation need to join this fight and put power behind this effort to stop these bureaucrats from taking Jenny's property. 
Freedom fighters need to build a huge protest fire and turn this into a national property rights issue. Corrupt government officials use taxpayers as doormats, pawns, bank accounts, and landholders for their agendas and power plays. If we continue doing nothing to stem the rising tide of government, tyranny, and corruption, we will watch our rights and property disappear one by one. As the local Dayton area residents do all they can with sign-waving, demonstrations, and protests to call attention to this blatant property theft, outraged Americans from across the country can bring an avalanche of phone calls and emails on the perpetrators, the scoundrels who think they can prey on any citizen without consequences, make them feel heat for their actions. Americans concerned for their own liberties need to bury these officials in calls and emails of protest. We need to make these dictators and thieves aware that what they're doing is unacceptable and will not be tolerated. We need to inform them that we the people have rights and will fight for them. Let them know they have overstepped their bounds, destroying a family's home, property, civil rights, peace of mind, and a woman's life for something as unnecessary as a bike path is an outrage. But as you make these calls, be respectful. There is still a hope that some official or judge will listen and take the proper action to stop this theft and destruction of Jenny's land. If we can win this fight for Jenny in Ohio, we will have the strength and momentum to help the next victims of government overreach. And make no mistake, there will be one. The iron fist that <clears throat> Jenny, or rather Tom DeWeese, writes about that these people have... Is from us. They're weak. They have no power. They didn't even own the land. And they bulldoze her. You don't think you could stand up in your whole neighborhood right there if you have to? By whatever means you have to? Just like an intruder intruding your house? Because we're used to, whether the government, nobody can do anything about it. There's a lot you can do about it. Is it going beyond when they say, well, this 85-year-old woman died saying she had a heart attack? I mean, do I have to accept that? Why would I not accept that? She lived there for 40 years. She's had her children and grandchildren watch them grow around, playing around these trees. There's no doubt in my mind she had a heart attack because of this. Think about what's favorite in your yard. Say a giant oak tree you got, and somebody just comes in and bulldozes it down. And not just some vandal, but the government itself, rolling through and excavating things. Yeah, they're responsible for that. Will they take it and accept it? No. They understand one thing. We're the government, or we're the county, or we're the city. We have authority over you. And we've forgotten because of our sins that we can't see what's right anymore, and we're blind that if we live God's statutes, we can stand up to this. They have no right. Liberty, private property, the Catholic Church, the Christians, the Bible has spoken really clear about this, that we, we have authority and autonomy. They only are given authority over us as a punishment for our sins. So that's the first thing you've got to change. And then stand up. Whether it be your neighborhood. If, look what happened while you're sleeping. Explains all this. I was talking about you have to read a book. You've got to read look, look, look What Happened While You're Sleeping. And then the solution, the answer to Look What Happened While You're Sleeping, how to stand up against that, is then they fired the first shot. There was a couple that came here from a couple hours away here in Alabama who ran across a book. They fired the first shot. They drove down here, got a case. They said, we're giving them out. The wife was a former convert. 
from being Baptist. She's already given it to her sister who's Baptist. But they're <clears throat> they're an older couple, but they're invigorated by it. Because it's something you can do. It's not just what Deweese wrote about that you protest and do that. You take action. First on your life, first on living holiness, first first on the environment. I mean environment in the sense of of how you live and what you do, and then you have authority. This all calculates out to one thing, economics, the loss of economy, because economy touches everybody. Everything's built around that. Jesus spoke a lot about it because everything the man does is from eating to his clothes to exchanging things has some means of exchange, whether it be bartering, whether it be indenturing yourself as a servant, whether it be silver or whether it be gold. And that's why we say gold is the king's exchange, silver is the, uh, silver is the gentleman's, bartering is the peasant, and debt is a slave. You're indentured when you become a slave. And everybody bought this because industrialization brought borrowing money. Because you need this and you need that. You need a house. You need a vehicle. You need all these things at one time. Rather than being patient and growing enough and growing your wealth literally out of the soil. Because that's the only place wealth is created. It's from the soil. It doesn't come from building cars. You may have a hard time getting your head around that. Where'd the car come from? Somebody who mined iron ore. How'd the iron ore get out? Somebody, through their labor, brought it forth. You say, well, in industrialization, big machines do it. Who built the machines? Labor. You say, well, robots do it. Who built the robots? Real wealth, created wealth from nothing, comes from your labor from the soil. That's that's why real wealth only can come there. That's why we can't push paper. We can't c- continue forever pushing technologicalization. It's not real wealth. It's not real. It's a falsehood. It's glitter. It's fake. It can't be sustained except for the momentum of the labor of originally bringing the iron ore, the iron ore bringing the car and the robots to the technology and computers. All that's there. It's based on soil. We're too far from it. And the further you get out, the longer you get out on the end of the limb. In the book, I just got to reading about one of the trainers for the boys in the boat. That was incredible. He got on the end of a limb trying to get a plum and fell headfirst and died. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see this with technologicalization. It is not sustainable. And the devil talks about sustainability. And they want infill zones. They want to, I, I won't go. There's too much to go into. We're out of time. But look what happened when I see. But you got to read it. You got to reread it if you read it. You got to read They Fire the First Shot. You got to be in tune and find other books like The Boys in the Boat. Read it. Start reading this because it's about struggle. It's about devastating being put backwards and yet coming back and winning out of that. Frank's not with us today, but we'll give you his contact information about the Medjugorje rounds, one-ounce silver pieces, why you need to get that. But that's not what you want to get. We minted that for the purpose of bringing conversion. Once you put your means of exchange into that for storage, just like you put a cow in the freezer, or you go to the grocery store even and put your pork in the freezer if you're not going to eat it for a week or two, 
You need to be putting your money in your dollar somewhere because it's worthless and we only have it going on because we have a false faith. It's our God. And when we lose faith in that God that doesn't exist, that false God, that paper is going to wake up to us realizing what it is. Paper. But if it's silver, it's intrinsically valued. But that's not even the goal. The goal is to get your food from your ground as fast as you can, roof over your head as fast as you can, out of debt. So we have to give the information for contact and Frank to discuss these things further. To contact Frank Williams with Global Silver Investors, it can be reached toll-free at 877-936-7686. Again, 877-936-7686. His email address is globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. Again, global silver investors at yahoo.com and the website is globalsilverinvestors.com and there's general information there what what's today the date september 5th september 5th, 5th. so we're nine, nine days, days away nine days away from the exaltation of the cross you don't want to miss it you have to drive eight hours for one day or ten hours even spend that day with us come the night before you don't want to miss it it's up the mountain if you're starting out for a new direction in your life, or if you need strength to have vision to see, you want to come climb the mountain with us and spend that whole day with us. September 14th, Saturday. Until next time, we wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.